You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome to lucky episode 18 of Teach Better Talk. I am Ray Hewart and as always, I'm with Jeff Garvigas tonight as we talk to an incredible educator, one of my favorites. I feel like I say that so frequently, but <laughs> truly one of my favorite educators. And before we get into all of that, Jeff, how has your day been? My day has been fantastic. I'm super pumped up, really excited. Episode 18. And I feel like I say this all the time, but I can't believe we're on episode 18 already. Right? Like we just started this thing. And so many awesome episodes so far, amazing educators. Um, this is actually our third recording this night that we're doing. Obviously, we record those and put them out later. Um, it has been just an awesome night so far doing this, and we're rounding it out tonight um, with uh, the man, the myth, and the legend, Dave Burgess, our, our, our good friend, Dave Burgess, who is um, – a veteran teacher, ed consultant, author. You probably know him from Teach Like a Pirate um, and all the Like a Pirate series from Dave Burgess Consultant, which he is also the co-founder of and president of. Um, P.S. for Pirate, another one of the books. Um, at heart, he's he's a teacher. He's been a teacher. He's phenomenal, super energetic on, on stage and when you talk with him stuff. So really excited to get him going and kind of dig into his brain a little bit tonight and, and pull some of that knowledge and, and excitement out. So Dave... Thank you so much for, for taking some time out of your busy schedule and chatting with us tonight. We really, really appreciate it. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling fantastic, Jeff Ray. I just got out of T-Lap chat, so I'm feeling inspired yeah. and I'm ready to do this. Thanks so much for having me on. I uh, love you guys' podcast and all the work that you guys do. You know, Dave, obviously Jeff gave kind of a brief bio of all the things that you do in day-to-day uh, life, but how do you describe yourself when someone says, oh, hey, Dave, what do you do for a living? Do you have like a a shtick that you have, like your elevator pitch? You know what? It depends on who I'm talking to and how much time I have. Uh, often <laughs> if I'm just asked out, out somewhere like, hey, what do you do? Uh, I'll say, you know what? I'm a motivational, speech for, uh, motivational uh, speaker for teachers. I teach them how to become more creative, engaging, and empowering as educators. And I'm an author and educational publisher. So that's kind of the elevator pitch. It's a pretty good it. elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that works. I'd, I'd ask a follow up question. That's for sure. Um, so let me th- let me throw this one out. And we've had conversation. We've got that. We've had to have you out on um, on our Facebook Live after Mastery Chat before, and we've had these conversations. So I love getting into this. And you talk about uh, failure a lot, and I, you know, you a lot of times you you have a lot of. Uh, I don't, I don't want to steal your lines. So I'm gonna let you say the lines that I love when you talk about failure. So I want to get you in there again. I I love the fact that I failed a lot. I I didn't like the failures at the time, but I've always learned so much, and I always talk about that how I'm fortunate enough to fail. So can you take us? in a moment where you failed in, in your life and, and tell us a little bit about like what it was, what happened, how did you overcome it? And then what did you learn from that experience? Yeah. So one of my favorite classroom failures to talk about is I had a war of the world's lesson. So excited about it. It's this uh, Orson Welles radio broadcast that happened where he convinced people in real life, he convinced them that the Martians were invading earth and that this was a disaster was gonna happen. I mean, how can you get a better uh, story than this for high school kids, right? Like literally people believed he snowed them over, he conned them and they did all these wild things and there was widespread panic because of this radio broadcast. So I'm picturing that this is gonna be unbelievably engaging. We're gonna talk about the power of radio uh, during the 1930s and we're gonna do it through a, mar- a, a fake 
Martian invasion. Like, how could it be any better than that, right? And so uh, the centerpiece of my lesson was going to be playing the original broadcast. It's like going back to the primary source. Like, I'm, I'm feeling good. Total disaster. Um, I had the room darkened so we could enjoy it. I had a little fake radio, like the old school radio in mm -hmm. the front. And we listened to this thing. There were behavior management issues. There were problems. There were in the kids. There were some kids that had thrown some stuff at each other in the dark. You know, people were yelling in the dark about something that got thrown at them. Like, and so I, I'm, I'm furious. I flip the lights on. I, I end the lesson. Next class comes in. I'm like, okay, those kids were just jerks, you know. And uh, the next period, behavior management issues again. And so um, it was a total disaster. And I, I couldn't figure out what was going wrong. And then the next year, uh, the cardinal sin, without being very reflective, I did the same lesson again. But I said, this time, you know what? I just got to add more hooks. <laughs> maybe if I dress in a, maybe if I dress in a costume like a Martian when I come in, maybe I need to have some outer space props around the room and have some lighting effects and lasers. And I really spiced it up this next time. Did the lesson again, and during the playing of the broadcast, behavior management issues, problems, kids throwing stuff, uh, total disaster, and another complete failure all day long. Right. And so then I'm looking at this, going like, okay, uh, I have I have a couple. I have a couple solutions. One, one possible solution is that the kids are just jerks. The other thing is, you know what? The centerpiece of my lesson, that, that broadcast from the 1930s to today's audience, especially when you know it's fake, it's just flat out boring. Now, it was my fault. The whole centerpiece that I was basing my lesson on was it was a boring um, broadcast. And so it didn't matter whether I wore a costume, it didn't matter if I had lasers, it didn't matter if I had musical effects as they entered the room or how many props I had around. If the core of your lesson is rotten, then your whole lesson is rotten. And so a lot of people talk about the peripheral things of teach like a pirate, but that was a good uh, reminder for me that you still have to have the very core, you have to have a powerful learning experience for kids. And so uh, what I did to overcome that and transform that is create a situation for the following year where they got to design their own radio broadcast. So I talked about the War of the Worlds as a, as a um, preliminary lesson and the power of the radio. And then they got to using, making their own sound effects and doing all that, writing their own radio broadcast and then performing the radio broadcast like while they were back in the office and, and broadcasting out to the classroom um, as if they were hearing it on the radio. And so now all of a sudden we have collaboration, we have creativity, we have kids, you know, we have laughter, we have fun and uh, it transformed by making it more collaborative and more creative instead of being um, more so teacher focused. Uh, it became a powerful lesson. Oh, that's such a fun story. Uh, because you can totally see it, like the, the reaction they had. And I love that you took that and that you flip it um, and that you own it. Like, I think that's such a, the, one of the most powerful things we can do with failures, own it and learn from it like that, reflect back on it. So, Dave, I've heard this story before. I love when you tell this story because every single time, and shame on me, every single time you tell it, I get so excited. I'm like, wow, this lesson really is going to be great. Because as a teacher, you're right, you have this perspective. And as a teacher talking to another teacher, I'm thinking, wow, this lesson sounds great. And then every single time I hear this and you go through this reflective element of really transitioning your lesson from a teacher focus to a student collaborative, you know, energy filled room where they have the ownership in the lesson. I mean, it's every time I'm like, man, oh yeah, I got to remember, you know, that needs to be at the forefront, even though it sounds great. And I'm excited about this radio broadcast. 
that doesn't always mean that it connects to our students enough to make it effective. And so it's just so funny hearing the story again. So always a great reminder. Yes. Accessorizing uh, a bad outfit doesn't make it a good outfit. It just means you have accessories (laughs) on a bad outfit. I I, I, I remember uh, this. Now, see, I I was famous for being kind of a little bit a low tech teacher. And I I had some friends that were very high tech teachers. And one of the ways I used to, I can remember sending this tweet out. This was years and years and years ago, but it was just, it was to poke fun at these guys who were always trying to get me to incorporate more tech and saying that that was, you know, like I could become more powerful. And they turned out to be right, by the way. But anyway, that's a different story. But anyway, <laughs> um, I said, uh, the tweet was basically, you know, here's a riddle. What do you get when you take a bad lesson and add educational technology? And then the it says answer a bad lesson with educational technology, <laughs> and uh, I was just doing to kind of like poke them a little bit, and I, I do believe that. But in the long run, they got the last last laugh because I was slow to the game, and I should have embraced um, some ed tech a little sooner. Well, and that goes right back. I mean, Tiffany Ott, who's a member of our Teach Better team, is constantly reminding me of that every single day when I'm lesson planning, and I use her a lot to brainstorms le- brainstorm lessons and. You know, it, again, Jeff, we talked about that with Thomas C. Murray on episode three mm-hmm. of Teach Better Talk, where you can incorporate technology and it sounds great, but if the learning, if that purpose isn't more evident than just the coolness of using the tech, you've completely lost them. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think Dave, like you story, you say you relate to the game, but I still think you had the mindset was still the right one. And the fact that like, if you didn't see how that tech was going to improve the lesson, then it wouldn't have been worth it to incorporate the tech, right? Because you just would have had a bad lesson with, with tech, you know, or try to, or try to force the tech. And that was sort of Thomas E. Murray's uh, talk with the Palm Pirates. I, I love that story that he thought he made the mistake of thinking that was going to be the thing. And they were all engaged on the Palm Pirate. And then his, his principal asked him, well, how did the learning go? And he's like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and it was just, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, that's just such a big thing. He's like, and he's like, well, didn't you just hear what I talked about? It was Palm Pilots for 30 minutes. He's like, yeah, but what'd they learn? I don't know, you know, and that's, so that's such an important <laughs> yeah. piece. I, I love that. So, so let's flip it around and flip it around now. And I know you have a lot of this and that, that I love that your failure basically like eventually turned into a, a success there. I love that, but let's, let's find another one. Can you flip that around and tell us about a success that you've had that stuck with you and it can be a big one or small one or, or any, anything in between, but like, what was it that happened? Why was it a success to you and why is it that way? And what have you like really taken away from that? Yeah. So I think one of the things I'm most proud of, uh, what we do now is uh, so I, I feel like I wrote my piece with Teach Like a Pirate. A lot of people will ask me, like, are you going to write like a part two or what's your next, you know, what's your next book going to be? And I, I always tell them, like, I kind of, I, I feel like I wrote my manifesto. Like I said, what I wanted to say, I, I dropped my mic and walked off. And, um, and so I don't want to do, I don't want to do a part two. I don't want to uh, be inauthentic in writing another book about something that I am not expert in. And so, because one of the one of the things I hear about Teach Like a Pirate sometimes is they'll say, well, but you don't have this in the book or you don't have that in the book. And I always tell them, like, it wasn't meant to be the encyclopedia teaching. Um, that's not what the concept was. The concept was it's my manifesto. It's my story. It's things that I authentically found uh, uh, effective in the classroom and successful in the classroom and how I felt other people could use those things, too. But it wasn't meant to be the end all be all. And so I think what was what was missing and then what is now the story is it was time to add other voices to it. And so 
I shared my voice, but now what we do is help to amplify other voices. And so I know that um, I did not have the greatest student-led classroom, for example. So incorporating Paul and learn like a pirate was a big thing. My mm -hmm. ed, my weakness in ed tech, uh, Matt Miller was able to fill this with ditch that textbook and, and what Casey Bell does and Alice Keeler and some of these others, right? I was not a great project-based learning guy. So you tap into people like AJ Giuliani and John Spencer and innovation with George Kuros. And, and so now being able to amplify the voices of other educators and kind of fill out my message and create a line of books which are gonna be complementary towards uh, of each other is where I think I've um, really found a sweet spot. So I'm less excited about teach like a like I, I go look on Amazon now at rankings. Um, I'm less likely to look at what teach like a pirate is ranked. I'm more likely to see like, hey, how are these other books doing? Like, are we amplifying mm -hmm. these other voices? And so that's something I'm, I'm proud of that we're doing now. You know, I really love, I work in a fantastic building. I'm a sixth grade middle school math teacher in central Illinois. And I always love walking into my colleagues' classrooms and seeing, you know, uh, Burgess Company consulting, you know, like books around, you know, you see Teach Like a Pirate, you see, you know, the innovator's mindset and you see all, I love how many books continue to come out that really inspire teachers to, I don't know, not to be cliche, but to teach better, right? We're always trying to find new ways to inspire each other, new ways to incorporate new technology or reach more students. And that gets me so excited. It's just that little thing that you can, you know, be sitting in a room and look around and be like, oh, there's another great book. I'm so glad that that teachers are picking up on that. What is something that you're getting excited about right now? What's coming up that as you're thinking ahead, you're like, oh, this is going to be great for education. It's getting me excited. It's keeping me inspired. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I can tell you just because it just happened this week, one of the things that we're excited about is... Uh, so we just released Tisha Richmond's book, Make Learning Magical, and um, we we did it with a companion, and that is that um, the folks at Breakout Edu and Ann Brooker in particular created a companion book study breakout game. Oh, so, cool! Yeah, I, so, I saw that just today on the on Teach like, on the uh, T Lab uh, chat. That's awesome. So how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like all it's already designed. It's set up. It's um, and so any book study group has now um, a custom made breakout edu game to go along with their book study. So I, we're, we're super fired up about that. And we hope to incorporate yeah. a lot of creative things like that with future books as well. Jeff, have you done a breakout, a breakout edu? I have, yes. Oh my gosh, they are so <laughs> Not as many fun. As, you, as you have, but I have, yeah. I, they're, yeah, they're really cool. Well, and I love your, I mean, like I've used them in my classroom, but being able mm -hmm. to use them as PD for teachers, mm -hmm. like a book study, I mean, that is so exciting. I really Yeah, we're, we're super excited about it. Yeah, that's really cool. So as you're thinking about all the work that you're doing with teachers, because I know that you're all over, especially this grade, you're designing awesome breakout boxes for teachers. Um, what is your typical piece of advice that you're providing to new teachers? You know, whether it be their first job or... Maybe they're brand new to the building or only a few years in. What's like the big piece of advice? Okay, so I'm going to give you two. The first thing is I always tell teachers that uh, what is unique about you, your particular strengths and talents, your voice that you add to the classroom is what we makes, what makes you most powerful and effective. And so you're going to walk into this situation where they're going to be, there's going to be people that have been there for a while and they have strong personalities 
and they have a way of doing things. And you, of course, need to wrap into that a little bit and be a part of the team, but yet you still, you don't want to lose your individuality as a new teacher and that creative enthusiasm that you bring to the game and that you have something to offer um, as well. So that's the first piece of advice. The second piece of advice I always offer them is that things are going to go wrong. Things are going to go, that lessons are going to fall flat. There's going to be failures. Things are going to get messed up. There's going to be chaos in your room. You're going to have behavior management issues. And you know what? It's not because you're a new teacher. It's because you're a teacher. And so that's, <laughs> that's never not going to happen. But when you're a new teacher, you think that it's just you. You think it's because you're doing something wrong that that's happening. And when you get a little bit further in the game, you realize, oh, wait a second, this is happening to everybody. And it's, ha and it's, and it's never not going to happen. And so, but uh, new teachers take it so personally and they beat themselves up over it or beat kids up over it. And uh, like, I can remember talking to a teacher who uh, was ready to quit the profession. They're like, hey, I, I think, you know, this is not for me. I think I'm going to quit. And I dove in a little bit, like, tell me what happened. And when you find out what happened, what happened was that maybe uh, they had 30 kids, 29 of them were wildly engaged in the lesson. One kid popped off. One kid said something. One kid was disengaged. One kid was a behavior problem. And they walk away from that experience feeling like a failure. And the, the simple truth of the matter, I wrote in Teach Like a Pirate, life isn't 100% or fail. Okay, this isn't about any sort of perfection. This is about getting better. And so if you set up your system for success, like this is how I, what I need to feel successful. 100% of my kids need to be 100% engaged on 100% of the days. If that's what you've set up as a system for judging your success, you have just entered a profession which is going to be filled with a lifetime of disappointment because that's not how it works. <laughs> and so uh, that's something that I think that new teachers need to be made aware of. I love that, Dave, because, you know, we, we talk about, you know, our, our, our whole teach better thing, teach better team, teach better talk is that we, we try really hard to push it out that, hey, we're not talking about teaching perfect, right? We're not talking about right. teaching better than this person, that person. It's about constant, but, uh, constantly just trying to be better and work hard to, to learn more and grow. And Chad says it all the time. He's like, look, it's not going to be perfect. Like teaching is messy. Like it is. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do that. And I think that's such a, a huge, valuable piece of advice. I, I love that. Uh, really important piece there. I want to do uh, so. So I want to see if I can put you on a spot for a second. I want to do. I've heard this story. I'm uh, actually from Shelley, and so I want to see if maybe I can get your side story. And I'm gonna go, like go back in time here for a minute. Can you? And I because th I think a lot of people probably know know you, know the books, or know the company, or or probably have read your book. But I'm wondering how many people actually know the story of how you got there. Would you mind sharing like your story of from from teacher to best selling author? Uh, so it started for me in a Mexican food taco shop, actually. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, Ray, are you, is that a, are you a fan of that? Well, you know, everybody likes tacos. Yeah. Right? I'm yeah. all about it. Anything that starts in a taco shop is successful. Shelly left that part out. So that's, this is this, I'm excited now. Yeah. <laughs> and my department chair, uh, who's a friend of mine, we were having lunch together. He came in and said, Hey, I just got put on the professional development committee for the district. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be if you put together a workshop based on some of this crazy stuff you're doing in your room that nobody understands. But then he paused <laughs> and he said something that is, was kind of life-changing. He said, but I don't think you can. Because I think that your success in the classroom is kind of you. I think it's personality driven. I'm not sure mm -hmm. it's something you could teach to other people. And he kind of moved on. I, I took that as a challenge. It's like, wait, wait, sign me up for one of those. Like I could teach this stuff. And 
and so I signed up to do a full day workshop for the peers in my district. I had never spoken before in my entire life. And I did not have Teach Like a Pirate nor any idea of what Teach Like a Pirate was going to be. And I signed up to do a full day workshop. I think there's a lesson in that and that sometimes uh, you have to leap at opportunities before you're even ready. And if you wait for, to be completely ready before you try to uh, go for something and grab an opportunity, you're probably never going to you're probably never going to go for it. Uh, sometimes you have to leap. You know, um, they say you have to like jump out of the plane and build your parachute on the way down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I have. I walked away from that meeting uh, and went, oh, my God, what have I done? I don't have a workshop. I don't have any of this stuff written down. And so it forced me to become very relentless about writing down everything I did in my classroom that was uh, successful and become very intentional about my teaching. I always try to convince people to present as often as they can. Like, uh, like sign up for conferences, do, do session proposals, like present as often as you can because when you have to stand in front of other people and share what is sort of your secret sauce, your magical recipe, it forces you to become very intentional and reflective of your on your teaching. It made me a better teacher when I, when I signed up to a workshop because it made me uh, you know, be so much more reflective. And so um, I, I came up with the pirate acronym, the pirate metaphor, all during that, in preparation for that first workshop. And I did it, and then I never looked back. I began to go anywhere where anyone would listen to me to talk about these ideas. I just submitted conference proposals everywhere. And if any conference said, you can come do your pirate thing, I got a plane ticket, I bought a conference registration, I got a hotel room, and I went and I did my thing. Nobody knew who I was at this point. I was just a crazy guy walking around these conferences dressed like a pirate, <laughs> right? And I wrote out my session description to make it sound like you're going to Disneyland. I recruited people into my room. I can remember walking through breakfast areas and lobbies of hotels at these conferences and recruiting people to come to my session. And uh, I stood outside and drew, drew people in like a carnival collar, right? And then we would just pack these rooms, build like, you know, they'd be filling the walls and on the floor and the aisles. It got bigger and bigger and bigger. Finally, a publishing company came to me and said, we want to do a book with you based on these ideas. And so they offered me a contract. I can still remember to this day. It was in Washington, D.C. at a coffee shop at the NCSS conference. And she offered me a publishing contract. I went straight up into my hotel room and I Googled publishing contracts because I thought she was trying to cheat me. And then when I Googled publishing contracts, I found out she wasn't trying to cheat me. That's exactly what they look like. And I couldn't believe it. And to me, the only thing missing was a ski mask and a gun, right? And so uh, I didn't like the fact that they were going to take creative control. I didn't like, like the compensation structure. I didn't like any of it. And so we did a ton of research and we realized this industry is ripe for disruption. When you see an industry that's based on an outdated model, it's time for it to be disrupted. And so, so we were going to disrupt this educational publishing business. We published Teach Like a Pirate off a laptop at the kitchen table. And in the process of learning how to get that book to spread, that message to spread, we learned a ton of stuff. And so other people started to come to us and say, we don't want to sign those contracts either. What are you doing? And we said, you know what? We're going to start signing these people and put their books out just like Teach Like a Pirate. And that was the start of it right there. I am so glad I asked that question. Me too. Yeah, I, lo I, lo I love it. That's, I, 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 that's just awesome. And I love that that's led to what you're doing now. And you talked about it earlier about how that's like what what when you look at the, the success of what you're building there. I love that you you guys have built this thing where you're now giving so many people, so many other educators a voice to to share what they're doing. And that I love how you put it earlier about seeing that like you you know, I'm not you're not great at everything. So you, you have this person with this book and this person with this book and and it's building such a cool thing. So really appreciate it. thanks for sharing that story. That was that was awesome. Oh, absolutely. Isn't that exactly what we're trying to do? I mean, I go back to social media so frequently, but that's exactly what we're doing as we're trying to be reflective and growing. We can identify the pieces that we're doing well and want to collaborate and share with mm -hmm. others. But then there's so many other avenues for teachers to then come back with us and, and make us stronger, make us better. 
And that's something I really love about Twitter is that I'm constantly learning things. I'm constantly being challenged. And yet I can still bring things to the table as well. And so I love that that balance of you don't have to be perfect at everything. Try and be really good at as much as you can and then bring in all of those incredible colleagues that we have around the world to just continue to improve our practice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the idea that you need to be good at everything is, you know, it's it's not possible, right? That, and that's what, going back to what we people say to me, say, hey, how come you didn't write more about ed tech in this book? And I just always tell them, I said, I'll tell you exactly why I didn't write more about ed tech in the book, because I wasn't very good at it. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to inauthentically write about something that I'm not good at. And so I wanted everything that I did in my, in my book to be something that I actually had done and seen successful. And so um, I think that's an important point for other people that are writing books too, is that you don't, you don't have to write the whole story, um, write your story. Love it. All right. We're going to do six questions with 15 seconds or less in the answers. Are you ready you for it. this? Yep. All right. What is one ed tech tool you can't live without? I absolutely cannot live without Todoist is how I organize my, uh, mm. my to-do list and it syncs with my, um, you know, like my phone, laptop, everything, everything goes both ways. And so Todoist. Love it. What is, uh, what's, what's one of the books that you're reading right now? I am reading Make Learning Magical by Tisha Richmond and uh, just came out from DBC Inc. Awesome. Who do we need to follow right now today on Twitter? <sighs> right now on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you know what? So um, I'm going to give a shout out to um, the Balance Lap authors, uh, Balance Like a Pirate, Sarah Johnson, Jessica Cabine, and uh, Principal Jay. Uh, Jessica Johnson, they're wonderful. They talk about how to create more work-life balance. And mm. so it's, it's a tough thing for educators. Yeah. We're in this, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's tough to not let it consume your entire life. And so I love the balance like a pirate message of those three um, wonderful leaders. They're, those, those women are incredible. Love it. What's the best YouTube channel or educational blog for educators? Uh, I love the gamification YouTube channel of Michael Matera. Explore Like a Pirate author uh, always has great stuff for people that are looking to get gamification ideas for their classroom. Mr. Matera, we love it too. Uh, what is one daily, weekly, or monthly routine that every teacher should get into? I think it's a, I think it's a recapturing your mornings. Even if it means getting mm. up a little earlier, get some sort of a morning routine that starts you on a powerful way. Uh, how you uh, maybe have a little time for some journaling or gratitude, maybe some meditation time, uh, hopefully um, some exercise as well. So when I exercise in the morning, I always know I'm going to have a much better day. Mm. I'm on fire. Uh, but later in the day, sometimes it, it doesn't, like stuff comes up and you don't get to do it. And there's all sorts of excuses but when you can get up early in the morning and recapture that um, those early hours and start on a positive note, I think that's the that's one of the keys. Awesome. I'm going to ruin our time here, but I have to I have to uh, interject there because that hits on a huge point that's that I a shift I've made. So a little over a month ago, I, I went up to Canada to our, our our cottage up there with my family and just kind of disconnected. But I took a DBC book, Run Like a Pirate, by Adam Welcome, and. Um, made a decision when I was up there that when I got back, I was shifting. I've always been a night owl, not unusual for me to work till one or two in the morning and still get up at a decent time, but like just run myself to death. And, uh, I worked out late and stuff. And so then I was all, like you said, things come up and I never, I wasn't getting to it, but I, I, you know, I need to get healthier for my kids. I need to be in better shape. I need to lose weight. So when I got home, I made the decision. I was getting up early. I was working out every morning before I go and I was focusing on things. Um, since then I have, I've been getting up at 5am every morning and getting in my workout and getting going. 
Um, I have not hit a snooze button since I got home from from that over a month ago, which is fit, like yeah. unreal, unreal for me. Um, and it's just it's completely shifted and changed so much for me, like personally, because the and the biggest piece of what you touched on is I know every morning, like if I do that, a million things go wrong for the rest of the day, but I accomplished that in the morning. I got up, like my day is gonna be better. So like a, a big shout out to Adam for that, and just for I mean what you said, that's that's a huge routine. If you can get into that, take that morning back. It's it's unreal. Like I'm Absolutely. up early enough. I'm up early enough where I get my workout in. And I'm still like back sitting on my porch with my coffee and oatmeal before the kids get up. So like I really get a chance to just kind of like watch the the world come up and wake up. And it's just it's completely changed everything. So isn't awesome. that like a magic? Isn't that like a magical it, time? It really it, it is. It's it's Everyone's a weird like a, it's a weird yeah. thing. Yeah, and, and I I just yeah it's I, I think it's I don't know if I'm annoying to my wife about it, but I just talk about it. I'm like it's just so crazy what it's done for me. So it's, it's awesome. So. It goes really well back to who you gave a shout out to earlier. That whole balancing work yeah. life and mm-hmm. real life. You got to take care of yourself if you're going to take yep. care of you know you can't fill um, buckets with an empty bucket. So yeah. I mean I can't say that I'm running every morning, but I do take the dogs out every morning, and so we have puppy time. Does that count? Yeah. I don't think. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not. It's not. That, that it's not just. It's counts. not about working out necessarily. It's like they've said. It's just recapturing moment and doing something with it, like taking it back, giving yourself that time. I, you know, I choose to run. That's just my thing. Running and working out is is my thing, but like it doesn't have to be that way. So, um, but and it could uh, be simple stuff because like uh, I was listening to a Tim Ferriss podcast and he had a guest mm-hmm. on and they were talking about hey, like one of this is a, such a small thing, but can be transformative is when you get up in the morning and you go, you make your bed. It's like you're starting mm-hmm. your day with a win. It's an easy thing, but you know what? When I get up, I put my, my room in order. I make my bed and uh, it starts with, you start your day with a win. And so when you, when you win the morning, you're more likely to win the day. And yeah. so incorporating that morning routine, whatever it might be for you, it's going to be different for every person mm-hmm. is uh, win the morning and then you're going to win the rest, rest of your day too. Yeah. Such a big thing. So, all right. So let's look the last one here. Um, I got us off track there, but let's do this best piece of advice you've ever received. You know, I think the best piece of advice I ever received uh, is from John Wooden. My first job was working for three years for the John Wooden basketball camp at Calvin College in Thousand Oaks, California. And his definition of success is one of the most powerful I've ever heard. And it goes right to that TLAP philosophy of life isn't 100% or fail. And uh, his quote, this is the, the foundation of his pyramid of success. Um, and it says, he says, success is peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do your best to become the best that you are capable of becoming. So, um, and the way I look at this, you know, I was a former coach and uh, the scoreboard doesn't always tell you who's a, who a success is. You know, if you ask, a, you know, who had the successful season, the coach that was five and 15 or the coach that was tw- uh, 18 and two? Well, I don't know. What was the potential of that team going into the year? Mm-hmm. And so maybe that 18 and two coach should have easily been 20 and 0 and they underperformed and the five and 15 coach had no business winning a game, but got his team or her team to over to outperform and to win five games in the face of all the obstacles that they were, uh, that they overcame. And so it's not always about the scoreboard. It's not always about winning and losing. Um, and the same thing with your lessons. It's about you having that self-satisfaction and knowing you did everything you could to become the best that you were capable of becoming. Love it.
You know, Dave, I think I have one of the most important questions to ask you before we end our podcast. And it has to do with people connecting you. And before I ask you for all your information so that our listeners can make sure that they continue to connect with you, I just want to give you a quick shout out because when I got on Twitter, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was just dabbling around trying to follow hashtags. I didn't even know what hashtag TLAP was. I had to like Google it and figure out what in the world this <laughs> hashtag was. I did. I had to Google it. I even had the book and it did not make the connection. Anyway, so I got on Twitter and I started participating in Teach Like Pirate Chat, which I loved. And eventually you were the sweetest. You reached out and allowed me to host. And hosting your Twitter chat was how I met Jeff. And so I just have to give a shout out to for all the people out there connecting with others on Twitter. It's amazing the six degrees of separation, how you can really not only learn from everyone, but just connect with some of your best friends, best teacher friends. So was it getting all sappy? How can oh. we connect with you? That's a, I love that story. That's fantastic. Uh, so I am at Burgess Dave on Twitter. My name just flipped around to Burgess Dave. The hashtag people often use to talk about the ideas is TLAP for Teach Like a Pirate. Um, and you can find me at DaveBurgess.com. You can find our company at DaveBurgessConsulting.com. And if you're an Instagram person, we're at DBC underscore INC, DBC underscore Inc. Awesome. And you guys know that you can always find all the links and resources and everything we've talked about in this episode over at TeachBetter.com, as well as, of course, those important uh, links for connecting with Dave so you can get, get him on Twitter or get on the website, check out all that stuff. That's always over for you at TeachBetter.com for all of that. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any of our episodes. And if you can give us a rating and a review, we uh, truly appreciate that. So uh, make sure you do that for us as well. Dave, thank you so much for some taking some time and, and chatting with us. You, your passion and your energy is is just infectious and your your love for what you do and your your vision for what you're trying to do in education is is awesome we love what you guys are doing we really appreciate you taking some time and just sharing a little bit of that with us tonight hey it was my absolute pleasure to be on the show i can't uh thank you enough for having me as a guest awesome and until next next time guys let's get out there and let's teach better